0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cake podcast. Today we are on season four, episode five, and we are continuing with a series of interviews with people that have strong connections to nature. So today we have a lovely man called Alan Cook, who is an author, speaker, poet, and has many, many more talents, and he is going to talk to you today. Um, about his ventures around Ireland, his story, his book and nature, of course. So, a little thank you also to the patrons who are supporting every week and I hope you enjoy this podcast. So, welcome, Alan. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself and a little bit about your story?
1: Well, thank you, Kate. Um, I'm here in lovely East Cork amongst the starlings and... The sound of the wind pushing through the trees and it's a gray sky but there's a warmth in the air and i'm surrounded by the thing we're going to talk about which is nature obviously yeah uh, i'm i've been many things in my life filmmaker actor the last 12 years i've focused on writing and poetry and um my journey from living in new york for seven years got an emmy there to dublin where i was born back then arbitrarily to come to the burn and end up i've been there for th- over 13 years now and not just that but the four four province, one continent of Ireland which I've investigated very deeply to lots of different uh, journeys I've taken here both sacred and practical and real so uh, a lot of my writing is an accumulation of those experiences that have affected my interior world and uh, uh, the idea of what my relationship is to the real Ireland which I hadn't really recognized before.
0: Wonderful thank you. And would you say your connection to nature is something that was born at a young age or did it come on later in life?
1: I think for me I believe that nature is intrinsically bound into our DNA obviously because this is where we spring forth from. The recognition of the depth of your connection can come at any point in your life. For me, I've been in New York City for six years. <clears throat> I'd grown up in a small suburban town near the ocean in North County, Dublin. As a child, I would be lying if we say... I don't. I think we we all have an intrinsic wonderland <coughs> of appreciation of... I mean, you see children in a farm or in a forest, and they always go for the magic straight off. So that's always been... I think that's part of natural natural for all of us but as an adult a human adult um, I'd say I started to become aware when I first put my suitcase down in West Clare after coming from New York and feeling very discombobulated the first feeling I had of, of suddenly living in an old farm cottage in the middle of nowhere in parentheses was a feeling of complete fear and and worry that I was stuck in a very isolating place now, 13 years later, having lived around different parts of the West, I feel the opposite now. A city makes me feel alone and isolated. And only nature makes you feel like I'm home. And in places where people will call the middle of nowhere, I call the center of everywhere. So that's the transformation, is that I realize I'm moving with nature, and the nature in me is sort of like parallel. It's only when I come into cities or built-up areas or a garage or a highway do I have to almost draw a shield around me to keep that internal nature communion so um, that took a whole process i think an unconscious process of uh, realizing that on a molecular dna spiritual even a sort of animal forest tree ocean social connection level that that was a flower that needed to bloom in me to save me to save my life
0: Mm. and would you say that you connect daily. What kind of practice would you do to connect?
1: I think, honestly, because I work in a retreat centre and I've been so physically in the land in all the seasons, chopping wood in the snow, swimming in the winter oceans, planting flowers in the, in the springtime, um, walking nearly 12,000 miles around the coast, the west coast of Ireland. Um, <clears throat> my daily practice is, is, is like a light switch. I just have to look and it might see the way the a, a, a wind moves a branch just for a second or um the look on my cat's face or or even uh uh walking down a path that's uh, wild and uncut and just for just immediately i transcend my mind i transcend uh, the structure of whatever man calls itself and then i'm there so the doorway has developed where it's almost transparent now it takes as I said I only have to touch the back of a bee and I'm home it's like a plugging in like a socket so but I take that it's not I can take it for granted it's become not second nature it is my nature now because second or third nature is when we're sort of distant from those feelings and that natural immersion it's like a language that you carry with you but when you've been there a long time like I have at this point uh, it's my first nature now. Nature is my first nature, not man's language. Of You know, when I go out, if I'm in a shop and I'm buying a, a mince pie, I'm always slightly disconnected from it. I'm sort of in the nature of myself, if that makes sense. So, so I feel like the forge of that journey has created my sense of, I have an elemental energy that I bring with me. And it's sort of like... Um, Joseph Campbell talks about your job in life is to bring vitality to everything if you, if you don 't do that then, then the, the world becomes a wasteland and um, i 've learned from better people than me that the choice is to bring how do you bring vitality is by being by being in your true nature and if you 're in your true nature by its very nature you 're vital to things around you you bring color to things around. and a lot of mythology uh, is like that like um, in the the king who has lost his connection with the divine feminine, which is the old kingship, uh, and a jester comes in and he's sitting there dying and there's no color in the kingdom, it's gone. And the jester gives him a glass of water and suddenly he comes back to life and he said, how could you do what all my knights could not do? And how did you recognize what I needed? He says, well, I, I didn't see a king, I just seated a man who was thirsty. Mm. So I think I was thirsty for things... And somehow I was brought to this very wild, isolating, elemental, raw place and somehow I came home, Mm. you know.
0: And you said at first there was like a sense of unease coming into the wild. Mm -hmm. Did it take some time to adapt? Like was your mind loud at first and then it quietened?
1: I think because I was off the track of, of, of... progression of ambition of the ladder of moving up to things or getting things or achieving things um that i felt like i was i was suddenly nowhere and nothing was going to be put for me that was going to be of my benefit and i didn't realize that over a period of time say two or three years um i was being worked on like the, way, like the way the elements would work on a piece of stone over time where you see a stone on a beach and you know it's been washed and sanded and changed and transformed by, by billions of years of, of ocean or millions of years of ocean in this case it wasn't millions of years but I was already being worked on by the very sense of me being in a the winter there in a the summer there, in a the spring there in an the autumn there I came to recognise, especially over the last few years that each season has its medicine to open you you have the loss of winter, the grief of winter. Then you have the burial of. Uh, then you have the bloom of spring, and you move. And then you have, uh, you have the immersion of spring, and then the bloom of summer, and then the shedding of the autumn. These all sound very generic and obvious. But when you actually physically start to live each season, following the rhythm of what it asks of you, then um, you start to respond, and then you start to change. And I don't think anybody intrinsically changes in their life and their soul, but but even bodily, just even sensorily you know, um, I became a cre- a creature almost, like not a not a not a civilized person anymore. I became wild, mm. and I'd always been wild, but now I had nature coursing through me, or or all these like sort of con- all these connections, like this, the roots of the tree was in me, and uh, the sense of the ocean the sound of it was was inside me in, in, a, in a way I know mm. that's it getting a bit mystical but, but it's just because it's just time spent, time served in the heart of nature brings you closer to your own heart self I think definitely
0: you know? yeah thank you for that and you also spoke about walking this massive distance um, can you tell us a bit more about that
1: over the last six or seven years, I'd encountered a lot of loss and uh, I was sort of reduced to a daily habit of walking to maintain my sanity. And uh, I have a neighbor who lives eight kilometers away. So that was four times a week. So that was about 70 or 80 kilometers just walking to her house. But I didn't just do it in a leisure way. I did it in a, in a sort of rigid Way Where, even if it was raining or snowing or one time through a lightning storm all of I, I ended up between that and all the other places I walked, some parts of different parts of Ireland. I think I calculated there a year ago, and it was about twelve thousand miles so that's the equivalent of f- of four times walking across America, but it's in my own country it's in my own backyard it's in my own place of birth, my own nation of birth so I'd only realized that for all my studies and investigation into this country, its people, its ways, that the final part of of this section of my journey in education was simply to put one foot in front of the other through loss, through hard times. But also, again, because you only can truly understand Ireland, not looking through the window of a car or a bus, or even with a group of people, you can only truly understand the invitation, the memory of Ireland that exists there, by actually just putting one foot in front of the other. Because the soul to your feet and the soul of Ireland connect together. So it's almost like you're you're um, you're ignited by all the memory that's here and all the extraordinary ecstatic energy that people would pass by in a car but you're actually getting to see footstep by footstep and also what's fascinating as well is if you walk the same place for many years the same road with the same trees and the same seasons it starts to translate into different things so depending on your state of being or your state of mind or your feeling in yourself on that day that same walk becomes some completely and utterly different experience so you could have i would have walked at that road that particular road under a full moon at 12 o'clock at night, or when it started to rain really heavily, getting caught in the rain, or I'd stop at a certain point and I'd recognize a wall or maybe where there's a nest that I hadn't seen before. And then sometimes I feel that I was so um, drawn and poured into into nature that, that one time I was walking there, it was two o'clock in the morning, it was a full moon, and uh, the trees, these, Trees bowed to me. There was no wind, and then suddenly oh, these big, thirty-foot trees just and almost bent low as I walked by. walk by. And sometimes I feel like these are like micro initiations that you have these aha moments, and even to recognize that there's different kinds of winds. There's not just a it's windy out. There's a there's an ancestral cry out in the winds. There's a lonely there's a lonely wind. There's there's a there's a there's a a wind that makes you feel calm you know, there's all these different sounds in, in Ireland and in the world that, that tell you different types of things and you ha- you, I, in my walks I began to recognise all the nuances of bird song and plant life, I'm not an expert on the etymology or the biology of plants but I recognise when uh, something's inviting you to, to become part of it
0: And what would you say, so this micro-initiation for anybody who doesn't know, would you explain a bit more about that?
1: Um, Whatever life that you might have, family life, career life, busy life, not a busy life, um, there's a huge part of love in nature that it's trying to get to you through all the bar through all the suffering to all the things that you might not be able to connect with anymore in yourself there's nature is actually trying to get to you to show you to its algorithms through its immense beauty through its miracle um, the way home and i think it happens in little sets of things it could be a, a robin landing on a branch of a tree or it could be it could be just a particular light on a winter light on a a sunset that way it hits a spread of light across the ocean and just just these moments where you go you just take a, a breath that you don't normally take and in that breath is all of this information to go it's like a revelation it's like just a small moment a little doorway just opens of complete revelation or bliss and, but that's not just about feeling good in yourself at that moment that's actually the veil is just lifted for a second and if you can stay in that or recognise to, to just kind of be with that for a second um, you start to I think for me anyway I started to drop away a lot of uh, unnecessary patterns un- unnecessary maybe even traumas in a way and so and the Buddha say the more you walk the more you purify so most people will retreat to nature for a break, for a holiday, for contemplation. We don't go to a suburban cul-de-sac to, to enjoy ourselves. We go out to see a tree or, or, or um, you know, a wild forest or a mountain. And why? Because we're 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 actually getting invited, and I also think nature's watching us all the time. I found that really fasc- fascinating. I remember one time sleeping in. So I used to live in a very remote place, and there was a skylight just above this bedroom. And I woke up one morning, and there was fifty starlings around, looking in the window at me. Just stare, had been staring at me while I was asleep. So as soon as I opened my eyes, they flew off. <laughs> I didn't move. I just opened my eyes, so they were looking at me opening my eyes. So this is the folly of human beings. They're so busy and so dominant that actually they're not the dominator in a way but it's it's nature's watching them all the time and nature reacts to how you 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 interact with it the deeper you go the more nature reveals itself like so it's this beautiful dance and that's what I got from a lot of the walking besides all a lot of the riding I did on the walks walking became my salvation mm. walking became what saved my life for me personally it saved my life because that was my my act of sovereignty my act of freedom you know and even if it was miserable sometimes it was cold it was raining and I, it became like a religion to me, the idea of, of one foot in front of the other. And I think nature always has your back. As I said before, nature always has the exact medicine that you need for any given moment in your life.
0: Yes, thank you for that. It's beautiful, beautiful words. And folks, um, actually last night I attended a beautiful talk that Alan led um, in the local um, setting down the road. And you had mentioned one part, I'm still digesting parts of it, but you had mentioned a part about every bush, every shrub, every tree, there's magic in every corner. Um, And for us leading busy lives, some people don't even notice it, you know, so how would you kind of maybe advise for people who are busy about this magic that is there everywhere? Like, what would you kind of... How
1: would you kinda of get that across? Well, John Moriarty, a great Irish philosopher who should, people should look up and listen to, said, you know, this whole thing in the Bible about um uh the burning bush and God spoke through a voice in the in, in the in the burning bush, it was God's voice, whatever. But he says every every bush is a burning bush. Every leaf, every oak tree, every bird, everything is vibrating with sacredness, with fire. So you could just turn your eye to the right and you'd see a branch moving with the wind. And I know that's something holy, that's something sacred. Even the sounds of all the birds here right now. What are they talking about? What are they singing about? They're singing for us, in one sense. And I don't mean that in an egoic way. They're actually singing to show us that we're alive. You know. So I would just say to people, not advise, but just, just um, slow down the rhythm of your life. Because, as, as, as Robert Blythe said, if you lie down, no one's going to die. If you lie down in nature and just stop for a while, um, there's an immense invitation, there's an immense gift. Um, and it's a secret place. It's like I go to the Aran Islands and in the summer I take the boat and it's a really beautiful day. Um, I I just walk for about a quarter of a mile and I get to this little brough of... A bed of wildflowers and i hide behind these rocks and i just go to sleep and it's the best sleep in the world it's a timeless dreamless it's a place where the clocks have stopped and it's just the ocean and my body and my little packed lunch and i want for nothing in that moment i can hear like now the birds over my head and you're just embraced what an honor that is what a gift and nothing matters in that moment you don't feel you you don't think about the people in your life or your dreams or you're going here you're going it's pure presence and ireland has this incredible capacity it's transparency of different worlds it's innocence it's magic because what people come from all over the world to be here you can take part in that and gain something from it and it doesn't cost you anything it actually it's it's unboundless giving that's what this country has in its nature
0: That was beautiful thank you and so you venture to the west you know obviously we have the east the south the north and would you say that there's places that have more of a sacred feel or that are more sacred or what's your take on that
1: well a lot of these places like the usnocks and these well-known places in newgrange where everyone goes and they go celebrate the sacredness of it and all i think it's fine and I don't, I respect it, at least they're going with it with a sort of a, an intention. But I believe that actually the, the places that are most sacred to me are just the simpler places where I don't have signposts or big troops of people turning up to light candles and stuff for like that. It could be just a little back path down a farm somewhere or, or um, an acre of grass that no one's walked on. You know, there's something about if too many people go to the same place I think the magic hides in Ireland. But also, how do sacred places become sacred? Because also people go there with an intention to praise, to pray, to look to the other world. And that creates all of those tracks of intention, create a place, a well of sacred givings and sacred gifts. So, again, I'll go back to all of it is sacred in the end. And even in a traffic jam, we can find a sacred. Even in the harshest, most built-upon, egoic, man-constructed places... We can still find those little moments and sometimes it's in the face of another human being i remember when i lived in to j- jump to new york for a second when i lived in new york and it was quite miserable on the subways every day you know and people dressed in black with their coffee and stuff but sometimes you turn around maybe a baby would look over a mother's shoulder and smile at you and then it was suddenly that little divine connection just for a moment to take you out of the metal construct now here in these places where you live here and where i would live um, um you're you're sort of you're, you're immersed in all that beauty every day. You know? And it's amazing. I know people who live in these places that I live in, and they don't ever even go to the Iron Islands. They don't they don't take these walks. They're in their own busyness. As John Moyarty said, they're sort of vampired. There's something that's taken hold of them and made them lose that sense of the miracle of their own life. Now we all go through that phase and sometimes unfortunately it takes a tragedy or a loss or an illness to go to just open your eyes. But we don't need to wait to get to that point. As my friend, who's ninety-five, a lovely woman who's lived deep in nature her whole life, it's like it's in the end, ultimately, life is simple. Just, just keep it simple and, and stay with your fingers in the soil, whatever, you, whatever version of that is for you, because, you know, there's unconditional love in nature. It just wants to. It just makes you cry nearly. It just wants. To, it gives to you all the time. It's just giving to you ceaselessly, endlessly. The sun, the air, the water, the, the honey, the plants the vegetables, you know, the, 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 the feeling of awe, like, it just asks for nothing in return, just that you honor it. And the other thing is to, in order to honor the earth, to save the earth, you have to honor that part of nature in yourself so you'll respect it.
0: Well, thank you for that, it's beautiful. Um, all about gratitude as well, you know, there's so much abundance there, and we just have to wake up and see it, like so much water, so much air, you know, there is so much of it. Um, and as well you mentioned at the talk about the wisdom and the intelligence of we'll say the ocean or the forests um, you know certain, I actually remember reading about ferns, that like when you go into a forest and you see ferns, if you trickle your hand along them you're actually touching like, I don't know, the millions of years of intelligence you know, mm. that like if you want a bit of intelligence that's what you've got to do, stop mm. reading the books, go out and touch ferns or you mm. know so i really liked how you talked about when you'd go and sea, mm. and i know a lot of you listeners are sea swimmers as well and and it just hits home again at like how much of a reset you get from all that yeah. intelligence so mm. would you kind of talk a bit about that about touching nature and touching actually the intelligence well, of the universe basically i
1: i started swimming in the winter oceans or the cold oceans early last year what's it called already is it, it's May now but it ran September, my friend brought me into the ocean. I was very reluctant and then she left, but I stayed in and then I started to go in every day and I went in solidly for six months, even if it was snowing and really harsh cold conditions. It was a group of people I'd meet sometimes there and we'd all go in together. And it like it created a second skin, not just for your immunity, but also because I started to see that why was it kept getting drawn back because the ocean is four billion years old, or there thereabouts, so it's gathered, it's it's impenetrable, almost wisdom or or, or um, knowledge, and it, and when you go in there, just for a moment, you're immersed in this unknowable, unspeakable presence, you know. And I noticed the more, the longer I stayed in, and when I'd come out, the skin of the ocean was still around me when I'd sit at the shoreline. And this is a very important point. It stayed with me longer in the day, the longer I stayed in. So I stayed in that elemental place. And this sort of place that made me distant from trivial things and only kept me in the sovereign potency of nature's language. The more I stayed in, the more I kept this routine going, you know. And I, I'm, I'm big into discomfort. Because I think our, there's nothing good that's, for our lives to become too soft and I like the idea physically of, of these uncomfortable places that you bring yourself to because it just opens you up. It just, it just t- it takes a skin, a layer of skin off you that might have been built like a callus because every day if you listen to the news, if you listen to certain types of conversations, if we are in certain types of work that really bring us down, this skin develops over time and you can't remember. You lose, you lose part of yourself and that's what going back to nature is for. It, it brings you home. And so these these things like swimming in the hard oceans and stuff like that they like you said—they just they just reset the dial back to um, what our our actual state is. One should be of of total calm and total presence. Because you know you never see a, you see a bird in a storm and never panics, or or a seagull flying in high winds, or um, you know it, it, nature's at, at, at peace with itself. You know, and we're we're out of that piece, and all I'm doing is trying to is trying to ask her to remind me of what matters.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that was lovely. Um, yeah, I definitely find the same when I go into the ocean. It's complete reset. Any anxiety, any stress, it's just gone, and you're on a high and you're full of sea salt and iodine and seaweed and oils. And it's just a miracle place. Um, yeah. And I think over the years as well, like diving and stuff became something for me where I would like totally lose myself, like staying underwater for like an hour or more. Like when you come out, you don't, you actually just, you almost need to be alone just to process the whole thing it's mm. exceptional what's beneath they call it the thin blue line you know
1: mm.
0: and uh, it's amazing the, the life in there um so i actually wanted to ask as well ireland as a place you talked a lot about i am ireland as a place on a global level um do you think ireland is seen you know because you have countries that may seem newer or like may have been colonized later do you think Ireland is really an ancient place globally compared to others? Like, is there a real, you know, we have these castles and people come with mm. like, wow, castles, like, do you really think at a global level it's, it's very special?
1: I think if you look at the language, if you actually, it's interesting, if you, if you talk to someone from another country and you say I'm from, from Ireland, there's just this moment where someone goes. It's like a switch goes on or a light goes on or a little micro-illumination goes on. Oh, Ireland. And I'm, I'm into words, obviously. So the sound of the word seems to do something to their spirit just for a moment. They seem to almost recognize something. That their psyche or somewhere deep down, maybe even beyond time, they go, Oh, Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. There's something there in the word. And everybody I've met who's not from here, who's when you hear they either have wanted to come here, they've come here, they have relatives here, or it's a dream to go to Ireland, like, you know, and it's not some tourist promotional campaign. It's a sense of the other. I think it's because there's Ireland there's no veil. There's no veil, you know, oh there's the veil between this and Celtic and Alter, the other worlds like there's no veil. The language we had in Ireland, the Gaelic language, was a timeless language, a quantum language, where it 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 was the shortest distance to the most poetic places. Now with English, as they say, we speak English woven on a Gaelic on a Gael, on, a, on a, we speak English woven on a Gaelic loom. In other words, we have the tones of Irishness but we speak in English language. But still in our tone, our speaking tone, there's something very old in that. And that tone, where did we get that tone from? We got it from the land. You know, because I work a bit on voice and I teach people voice and the, the, you, you can help train your voice in through the land, through being in nature because tribal people would speak in the midst of a storm or in the snow or in the silence and that's how they had to be heard so they had to speak at a certain level of potency not just loudness, you know. So, um... Ireland is they say is the heart chakra of the world. It's been put upon so much yet it's 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 like compost it's made it more beautiful. So all the tears that have been held, shed by other people who've come here from all over the world it's like it's like it composts the soil to make it even more beautiful, so like that sacred place, Ireland is a place of intention that people come to. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to France to go see the Eiffel Tower. When coming to Ireland, there's always an intention behind people to go here, to go see their lost brother, they're gonna grieve somebody. They always bring a story with them to Ireland. So Ireland's filled with all those layers, you know?
0: Yeah, well, that's amazing, yeah. Um, I almost t- I have to take a moment after you speak, but I know I need to respond to the podcast too. Um, so much to digest there. <coughs> and definitely have experienced that as well as I travelled across the world and people would say, where are you from? And it wouldn't be the United States, you know, They would that's what they would predict. And I would say Ireland and the responses from all over the world, like people wanting to host me. Like I was uh. hosted for months on end for nothing. Like they just mm. literally, because of my great ancestors who did such and such and helped such and such in Argentina and helped in another place with mm. war and helped here to build a bridge and they were like we want to say thank you and there was a man in Ecuador who was actually from Cork and he founded some great thing in Ecuador and people wanted to host me there so wow. it definitely has an amazing name the passport is, is very well mm. renowned I'm um, so very grateful to be from here you know and you spoke like in the talk well you spoke up a lot about the celts um and the Celtic lineage um, and um i for anybody who's not aware of their lineage, um would you have some kind of background in that in Ireland, like the Celts were here, like was there other tribal peoples here that formed who we are today?
1: Well, traditional culture conventional historical culture here says ireland well it's changing now some submit more evidence uh, the recordable irish culture goes back around six seven thousand years let's say you know to neolithic and the first farmers and stuff like that but when i go to the mythic oratory culture from some of the people that i've met like played people like dan cronin and stuff they say it goes back ten thousand years nine ten to druidic cultures here so you know the celtic culture which which originated from France and normally there's all sorts of theories about the First Peoples of Ireland and, and some of the mythic orators say the First Peoples of Ireland landed in, in Rathmore near the Paps in the city you know? and then Garnish Island which is off the coast of Glengar, which I found a fascinating place when I went there, I don't know if you've been to Garnish Island, I found it fascinating because there's a little area, not where the boat lands, but over the other side of the island there's a little, you go past this fence and, and there's a little tiny bay there, a little mini bay and I believe, my sense was the first people of Ireland landed here. And I had this, almost this, this vision of, of, in that island, of these people dressed in, the sounds of bit kooky in white robes, like these, these infinite knowledge academics who came to inhabit Ireland with this great knowledge and this great wisdom. And, and, and it was like an it's like an Atlantean place. Some people say Ireland is like Atlantis, and I could get a sense of that—something very old, ancient, and noble, and pure, and angelic, and beautiful. And then I look to modern Ireland now, and I see all the hurt, and all the woundedness, and the alcoholism, and the suicide. And it's not all that, but yet still, to the stranger's eyes, we can, we can see the beauty again. They go, oh, they can see the beauty in a pure, because they're not as as skewed like us. Sometimes we have this schizophrenic relationship with Ireland where we're going, oh, I can't wait to leave here. I'm sick of this place and oh, this fucking place, sorry. (laughs) And yet, at the same time, someone comes in and goes, oh my God, it's so beautiful here. And why is it, why can't we get those eyes back, that vision back? And when we go abroad, we're re-romanticized with Ireland by the love that people tell you of Ireland. Mm And you go, oh, it is beautiful, isn't it? So sometimes you have to go across seven continents (laughs) to realize how beautiful Ireland is.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: So I've had, I haven't traveled like as extensively in terms of where you've traveled, but I've done enough outside of here and inside here. This is the other journey, as I say, this fifth province, the province that lays underneath the soil. That's where I've been living for the last 12 years, underneath Ireland, you know? See? Degrees. that is it it's just that it you just gets suddenly this sh-
0: shake yes. of things that go yes yes folks we just had a little miniature pause because yeah. there's a lot of bird action and wind coming along and there's something changing in the atmosphere <laughs> um so we're just taking in nature um as we speak
1: i be- i actually believe when you when you speak the truth of your heart about the place that you were born that nature then just 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 for a second nods in agreement and it's like the ancestors go yeah you're right this is this is this is what matters. Mm. You know? It is a symphony, Ireland is a symphony. It's a symphony. And we're only sometimes only pressing one note on the keyboard.
0: Mm. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> We've a door here, nodding in acceptance, and and everything is starting to move now. feel it? yeah. We're a bit mad. We're a bit mad, <laughs> but there is magic all around. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're outside right now, you're gonna uh, have a ponder at the trees and leaves where you are. Mm. And I'd also like to note as well that around us as well, we have the apiary, we have hives, and. Um, We have a I have a bait hive set up, so there's actually scout bees here all morning. So I'm hoping to catch a swarm. And we actually before coming on the podcast, we um, added wax to some of the bait hives and some lemongrass oil. Just a little bit of nature tips. So um, the questions for now, we're going to um, let let them go. And Alan has his book here today um called what's the book called beauty loss redemption and he's going to read you a poem um to give you a little insight about it and yeah we let alan take it from here
1: so i'll just finish off this is the poem i felt intuitive intuitively decided to it's a poem called the white feather in my darkest parts of my soul loss and my journey i have to say truly in 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 the in the hardest parts where I really was completely lost, no destination. I mean, and I would always see little, occasionally little white feathers just just on the ground, floating by me, appearing, and I always took these as signifiers of keep going, just keep, take the next step, even though I was completely desolate. So this poem is a dedication to the unknown journey that has invisible signs everywhere for you. It's called The White Feather. Sovereign white feather left upon the ground, whisper to the universe, I've been found. Dropped by an angel softly across the land, O oh precious feather, help my heart withstand. All the blows to come in the silent velvet nights, the reflection in the mirror of God's own son in flight. Take the planet's wonders and shape them the gold, O oh white feather comfort me the sad day I grow old. For the wisps of wind surround me, tender on the bay, And ghosts who can't be found that flee awaken on this day. Remind me of the gold, of friends that never leave, Of children's smiles untold. Oh, feather, feather, let me fly Across the desert of my wounds, beneath this aching sky. Free me, free me from the tiredness of a love that won't return, Undo these soft and broken wings that ache to rise and burn. Oh, feather, do not move until the stillness of the night, where angels' wings shall gather you, far away from my lonely sight.
0: Wow, thank you. And what was the title of that one?
1: That was called White Feather.
0: White The feather. White Feather, yeah. Beautiful. And you read a lovely one last night as well about the masculine what was that one called father Well, i read oh, that father. one as well yeah Gives that's them a quick a shot one in
1: yeah. yeah, blast so
0: you spoke about the masculine and
1: well the need to return the masculine particularly needs to return to the to the, to nature
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not about going out and doing weights and becoming a, a navy seal mm-hmm. it's actually about you embody physicality i think it's very important to be physically to try and be physically strong or fit but you must also be porous on the inside Strong on the outside, porous on the inside. So, this is about, this poem is just about the idea of, of stopping, of alchemizing, of washing away, of cutting the cord between your father's sins and the father before him and the father before him. That haunts and follows a lot of men through their whole lives, even unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So, this poem is called Father for all the men out there the big men and the small men and the little men <laughs> and the wide men and the skinny men and the hungry men and the, men and the man with a pint. <laughs> so, Father. <clears throat> I went to an ocean filled with my father's fears. I went to an ocean filled with my father's tears. I went to a shoreline unbroken in the sun, and there the father's father stood joining me as one. This rapture of the universe was caught in every wave. The ceaseless grief and sorrow had made me such a slave. For the roar of storms above soon approached the soul-filled caves. And all the father's fathers started to be saved. Their voices whispered nightly on perfect water foam. In unison they spoke and said, My son, you are the unwritten poem. For this sweat of world betrayal by fuller broken men Had kept my blood and anger so frozen in the den. So I went upon my knees at this holy ocean's brow And I knew the warrior serpent was standing with me now. I carved the words anew in sands, unwashed by time, and said now the grief you suffered, Father, will be washed along with mine.
0: Wow, that's beautiful, thank you. Um Would you like to add any more, but maybe if anybody's interested in the book or anything about your tour? Well,
1: I'm trying to to do a word-of-mouth tour um, with my talks. I've been sort of hiding away for a long time and, and I think the time is now to bring what I feel are important points about our sovereignty, our lineal ancestry, our need to reconnect and weave our communities, our people, our our our, our um, philosophy, our indigenous, our indigenous energy, because we are native people back together again, um, to hold in the midst of this quite dark storm in the world, and I've, if anybody is listening, and they want to host my evening, it's called Poetry Sovereignty and Soul. Um, I think it's quite a powerful evening Um, anywhere in Ireland, in any small venue uh, you could reconnect with me or connect with me through um, the contact details that uh, Kate will leave on the podcast, my number or my email Mm -hmm. if people are interested in my work in any form, whether it be for a big company or for a little barn in the middle of a farmyard in County Leitrim with children running around with balloons tied to the hair and (laughs) and lovely cakes And and fizzy homemade lemonade.
0: Oh, stop! Yes, that would be absolutely beautiful. And I will leave um, Alan's details in the bio part of the podcast. Um, So, yeah, folks, thank you for tuning in today. If you like this episode, please give it a share. And thank you to the patrons for supporting every week. Uh, If you'd like to support, you can go to patreon.com slash catchkate and as a final note uh, my bee wild journeys are starting next weekend on the 4th of june i'll be taking people onto the farm for some beekeeping forest bathing forest exploring and mindfulness in nature and i'm going to be bringing you back home it's going to be your journey home and i can't wait to share all of the bees and all of that stuff with you if you'd like to book just get in touch with me um, by message dm or email And yeah, and I'll see you all uh, for another episode very soon. Ciao.